Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. Does knowing the sabbatical jubileers really matter? Why do we need to learn this? Why is this so important? Most, most people just disregard it. That's something the Jews do. That's something that you keep when you're in the land. And we'll address that. Here we are in 2 Chronicles. So this is why this is so important. And they burned the house of Elam and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all of its palaces with fire and destroyed all of its valuable utensils. And those who escaped from the sword he exiled to Babel, where they became servants to him and his sons until the reign of the reign of Persia. In order, listen carefully, in order to fill the word of Jehovah by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, as long as she lay away, she kept Sabbath, until 70 years were complete. So right here, you're being told by Jehovah that he is keeping track of the Sabbaths that the land is missing. 70 of them. He counted 70 of them. So from 70, uh, from 50, 586 B.C., and when you count backward, it takes you at least, at least to the time of King David in 1010 B.C. And if they kept some of those sabbatical years, because I would assume that King David did, maybe Solomon did, then this could take you all the way back to the time of Joshua. 586 B.C., when you count the sabbatical years, and each of these is a sabbatical year. So here's 586 B.C., and we count backwards. One, two, three, four, five, like that. Keep coming back. You'll end up at least at the time when King David became king in 1010 B.C. At least. Jehovah is keeping track. He's watching. He has a book with your name in it, Right? What do we say during the Days of Atonement? May your name be found in the Book of Life. He's keeping a record. So Jehovah does consider these days important. These sabbatical years are important to him. So here's another thing to keep in mind. Why does he do this? Each year the earth has to work while it grows your food. It misses 52 Sabbaths in a year. There's 52 weeks in a year. So 52 times 7, and you will arrive at 364 days that the earth gets to make up for those years when it had to keep growing your food. The earth gets a Sabbath rest the same as you do every week. And that's just, wow. Does any of this matter? Yeah. It matters to Jehovah. It matters big time to Jehovah. Romans 8, 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation waits, waits for the manifestation of the sons of Jehovah. It waits for you to learn this so that it can be healed. 
the earth is waiting for you to start keeping the Torah. Dare I say that the universe is waiting for you to start keeping the Torah? Stop and think that's a, that's bigger than wow. When the sons of our father are keeping the Torah, keeping the Sabbath, the holy days, and the Smita year, the sabbatical year, at the right time, the earth is going to be healed. The earth is waiting for you to keep the weekly Sabbath, the holy days of Leviticus 23, and not adding anything to that and not taking any of them away. And it's waiting for you to keep the sabbatical year. That's not Purim, that's not Hanukkah, that's not Christmas, that's not Easter. That's nothing except what's in Leviticus 23. And if that rubs you the wrong way, then start keeping Daliwa. Daliwa is just another festival of lights. Because that's all you're keeping in December, festival of lights. And that's all to Satan. It's all to Nimrod. So if I don't tell you, who will? Who will? For the creation was not willingly subjected to vanity, but because of him who subjected it on hope that the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. And we've explained to you that corruption took place when Nimrod and Cush changed things and became the hammer that broke in pieces the whole world. That the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And that is you when you're keeping the sabbatical years, when the land gets to rest in that seventh year, great things happen to the soil. And we know that the whole creation groans and travails. And that's the curses for not keeping it. These are the curses of Leviticus 26 that I've been telling you about, that we're going to look at. This is it right here. Christians, this is Paul talking about the same things that you've discarded and dismissed. Calling that the Old Testament. We're not Old Testament people. Then you're going to be just old and dead. Maybe not even get old. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, awaiting adoption and redemption of our body. The earth is waiting for you to get your act together and to keep Torah and to show others how to keep Torah. The first time the sabbatical years are mentioned is Genesis 6.3, and some people object to that. Well, let's look at it. And Jehovah said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever in his going astray. See, men were going astray. They are doing their own thing back then too. He is only flesh. He is flesh. And his days shall be 120 years. And some people lock themselves into that position that that's all that can mean. Show me people that are living to be 120 years old. If you die at 80, you got ripped off. If your dad died at 60, Jehovah didn't keep his word here. Our people, is the average age of man 120. No. Well, let's take the people who lived before the flood. They lived to be 930, 960, 700. Let's average them in. Well, it's hard to figure out. But there's been a lot more people since then who've only lived to 50, 40, and 60 
So I'm putting to you that this year, this word years, is not years. So we look it up in the Hebrew, 8141, is shanae, shana. The first form being in plural only, the second form being feminine. And from 8138, a year as a revolution of time. A whole age, old, a year. So this first mention tells us that man will have 120 periods of time. It is the only place this is said. So many people then jump on the bandwagon, having said to me this is only about years, 120 years, the average age of man. They then prove, they then jump on the bandwagon, and they say that that is 120 times 50 to get 6,000 years. I'm just doing the same thing they're doing, that they just told me they wouldn't do. It's 120 times the Jubilee cycles. That's what they've just done. Our difference is whether it's 50 or another way of counting the Jubilee cycle. And we're going to show you that here today. People also say this was 120 years that Noah preached to the people on the earth. All you have to do is do the chronology and it does not add up. Noah only preached to the people for 98 years. Do the math. It's simple. One, two, three. So this is a revolution of time, 120 revolutions of time. The next place this is mentioned, the next place the Jubilee years are mentioned in your Bible is Exodus 21. This is before they enter the land of Israel, before they cross the Jordan. This is why they are still at Mount Sinai. These are the right rulings which you are to set before them. When you buy a Hebrew servant, he serves six years, and in the seventh year he goes out free for naught. For nothing. If he comes in by himself, he goes out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him a son or daughters, the wife and her children are her masters, and he goes out by himself. And if the servant truly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, let me not go out free, then his master shall bring him before Elohim and shall bring him to the door of the and, or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl and he shall serve him forever they're not in the land of Israel and they're practicing the sabbatical year of rest of letting the slave go free again that ties into the eighth day right there the seventh millennium you're going to go free This is part of our ketubah, our marriage contract between you and Jehovah at Mount Sinai. You're not in the land and you're already keeping it. It's a marriage contract. And you have agreed to these terms by being in the loins of those people at Mount Sinai. And if you haven't, weren't even there by... By that, we're going to show you how something else proves that you are confessing and admitting to this in your New Testament understanding. The next time we read about the Sabbath Jubilee years is in Exodus 23. Again, they are not at Mount Sinai. But we're also given a clue here as to how the sabbatical years work. 
because you're comparing them directly to the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. And for six years you are to sow your land and shall gather its increase. But in the seventh year you are to let it rest and shall leave it and the poor of your people shall eat. They can eat off your land. And what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. So you got to leave your white picket fence open so the rabbits can eat your lettuce. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive yard. And look, the very next verse, the very next verse is comparing this to the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. Six days you are to do your work, and on the seventh day you rest, in order that your ox and your donkey might rest, and the son of your female servant and the sojourner be refreshed. A direct comparison showing you that the seventh day Sabbath and the seventh year sabbatical year continue every seven, every seven, whether it's days or years, every seven, repeatedly, over and over. There is no extra day, there is no extra year added in there. Huge clue. Huge clue. Let's go to Leviticus 25. Let's read the first part. Because a lot of people just skip right over this. We're going to go Leviticus 25, 1 to 13. And I've made a lot of assumptions that people just know this stuff. So I'm going to try and be more diligent and read a lot of stuff to them. And the Lord, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. So he's on Mount Sinai when he's given this command to Israel. Why? Because Moses can do the chronology and he knows where they will be later on. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Huge clue. The first year they come into the land of Israel, they cross the Jordan, that first year is a sabbatical year. Big clue jumping off the page at you. But which one? Next verse. Six years you shall sow your field. Six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest. For the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. So that means you don't plant and you don't harvest. You just let it grow wild that year. Oh, now here's something else. Verse 5. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. So your land is still going to grow stuff, but you just can't harvest it. And the Sabbath produced of your land shall be food for you. Oh, there you go. Anything that grows of itself that you didn't plant... If it grows, you can eat it. It's called voluntary growth or voluntary produce. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be for you, be food for you, for you, your male and female servants, your hired man and the stranger who dwells with you. For your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all this produce shall be for food. So you open up your fences and let your cows into your garden. You let your neighbors come over. You let anyone who wants it to have it. It's for everybody. You should be able to go and eat in their yards too. But because not everyone is practicing this yet, they might have buckshot waiting for you. So just check. It'd be a good opportunity to introduce them to this at that time. 
Verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years. And the time of the seventh Sabbath of years shall be to you 49 years. This reads exactly the same way it does in Leviticus 23 about Shavuot, about Pentecost. Then you shall cause a trumpet. So after the 49 years, after the 49th years, and you are now into the 50th year, then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the 7th month. This trumpet blast is not to warn you that a sabbatical year or jubilee year is coming. This trumpet blast is to tell you that you are now in the 50th year. It's not a warning that is coming. It's announced in the year, the 50th year. On the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year, because that's when you're blowing the trumpet, and proclaim liberty freedom throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession. This is huge. When you count out all the jubilee cycle and you see where we are, remember, we're going to show you what 2033 is. That's when you sound the trumpet because we're about to go back to the land for the sabbatical millennium. That 50th year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce. There you can still eat what grows of itself. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. The next jubilee year, ladies and gentlemen, you will be in your inherited places in Israel. Think about that. The next Jubilee year, you will be at your inherited land. So what we just read here goes back to verse 2. Right? The Jubilee year, the first year they're in the land, that's a Jubilee year. Okay, i got to prove this to you. I don't want you to believe me. So some people will argue it is only for when you are in the land that you are to keep the sabbatical year. Based on this verse, which we've just read, but we've also just read where it's telling you about the Jubilee year, is at this time. But let's just say they're right. Let's say that the, the I don't want to say Denning Thomas because Thomas wasn't really a doubter. He was just trying to prove things. But let's say these people are right and that this is only for when you're in the land. And that's the argument. And yes, you're right. So if that's the case, then when we go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, it says, when you come in the land which Jehovah your God gives you, you shall not learn to do according to the abominations of those nations. So when we come in the land, because we're not in the land now, we can learn these things. There's not, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or observes the clouds, observer of clouds or a fortune teller or a witch or a charmer, or a consulter, or a familiar spirit, or a wizard, or one who calls to the dead. But because we're not in the land, we can do that, and it's okay. Yeah, what? That's the argument being presented for not keeping the sabbatical year, because we're not in the land. So because we're not in the land, it says, when you come into the land, you're not to do these things. 
So because you're not in the land, I'm saying, using the same argument, the same logic that these people are doing, we can do these things. And you just said, what? Because you know that's wrong. So therefore, what I'm saying, by not keeping the sabbatical jubilee years, you know that to be wrong. What? Okay, here we go again. Leviticus 19, 23. When you come into the land. So now, because we're not in the land, all these things it's about to say we can do, right? No. But using the same logic for not keeping the sabbatical year, that's what I'm doing. I'm just showing you how how wrong (laughs) I'm learning how wrong that argument is when you compare it to Scripture, then you use the same logic that they're using. Leviticus 19, 20, or so 23, when you come into the land, verse 26, you shall not eat anything with blood in it. But because we're not in the land, we can eat the blood. You shall not divine or conjure spirit. But because we're not in the land, we can do that. We can go to fortune tellers. Leviticus 19, 27, you shall not round the side of your head or mar the edge of your So that means you can't get looking like the priest during the Middle Ages and tonsure your head. Oh, well, yes, we can. We're not in the land. We can, we can do the things to the dead, mar our beards like punkers do for the dead. We're not in the land. It's okay. Verse 28, you shall not make any cuttings on your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks on your arm or tattoos. I am Jehovah. Well, we're not in the land, so we can get tattoos. We're not in the land. We can, we can lash ourselves and cut ourselves for the dead. Because we're not in the land. Verse 23, and when you shall come into the land. So there it is again. Verse 29, you shall not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a whore. Lest the land go a whoring and the land become full of wickedness. But we're not in the land, so you can prostitute your daughter. Woo-hoo! Oh, no one's cheering that one. Do you see the illogical argument here? You shall not, you shall keep my Sabbath and revere my sanctuary. I am Jehovah. But we're not in the land, so we don't need to keep the Sabbath. We know that every one of these arguments I just presented are wrong. We are to keep the Sabbath. We are not to prostitute our daughter. And we are not to pass our children through the fire to Molech. We are not to worship the dead by cutting ourselves or tattooing ourselves. Or marring our beard or our head. And even though we're not in the land, we know that to be true. Therefore, because we're not in the land, we also know we are to keep the sabbatical year. And to let our land rest no matter where we are in the world. No matter where we are in the universe you see the argument that they present. And I just presented you an argument to give back to them. It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. 
When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9WS3O. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out. <laughs>